Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Barbara Wesley Grace speaking to you from Brooklyn, New York, and um, you're listening to Grassroots Holistic Health Radio Show, and uh, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Barbara Wesley Gray, and I have with me my lovely wife, Dr. Dora Gray, who is my co-host for this afternoon's show. We have a very dynamic show today, which features a phenomenal woman whose name is Dr. Karen Dunkston. As most of you know, uh, the name of this show, as I mentioned, is Grassroots Holistic Health, and who would be more appropriate to have as a guest none other than a sister of African descent who also happens to be a doctor who specializes in women's health. First, let me give thanks to the One Most High and the ancestors for making this show possible and for us to get together this afternoon and also for the beautiful Sunday that we have uh, during this show. And let me share with you um, a brief overview and background of Dr. Karen Dunson's career. She leads by example. She happens to be an OBGYN specialist, and she actually lost a life-changing um, 100 pounds and healed herself from chronic disease by addressing the root causes of her overweight and dysfunction. This personal transformation in turn caused a professional one and she left OBGYN practice in 2011 to pursue helping women heal with this revolutionary type of natural medicine after becoming a fellowship trained in aging, anti-aging, metabolic and functional medicine. Dr. Curran's book, Cracking the Bikini Code, Six Secrets to Permanent Weight Loss Success, brought her an in-office natural weight and health restoration program to women everywhere. The virtual book camp program based on the book launched shortly after and offers a hands-on guidance by Dr. Curran's remote location so that women can use these tools to heal and move towards brilliant health. Dr. Karen has been featured on NBC, Fox, Reader's Digest, The Huffington Post, First for Women, and Best Self magazines, and also as a host of her Brilliant Health radio podcast. She offers interviews with inspiring and insightful experts in functional medicine for women desiring to heal and achieve optimum health naturally. As the host, as the host of the Menopause Boss YouTube series, Dr. Dunstan educates and inspires women to take control of their bodies and their lives and to thrive in menopause, not just survive, so they can correct the four root causes of menopause breakdown and begin regaining energy and losing weight. Dr. Dunstan has been board certified in OBGYN for over 20 years and is fellowship trained in anti-aging metabolic and functional medicine by the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. She received her Bachelor of Science in Psychology at Brun Bard College, received her doctorate in medicine from Jefferson Medical College in Philadelphia, 
and completed her residency in OBGYN at Medical Center of Delaware. She resides in Georgia with her two dogs, Otis and Carly. And so I'd like to have the opportunity to uh, share with you um, a few words from my, my lovely wife, Dr. Gray, and her experience with having diabetes and how she's uh, uh, gone through the process for a few years to reverse her condition. So good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning in at Grassroots Holistic Health. We're here to serve the community, and we're, we're here to assist others in their journey of healing. And so to tell you a little bit about my healing journey, um, about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and I was put on insulin. And it was a, it was a traumatic day for my husband and I because I did not know I was diabetic. And I actually ended up going to the hospital via ambulance because I had kind of fallen into a diabetic coma. I had stayed home from work a couple of days, and I thought that I was just tired. I didn't know that I had a medical condition. And it's interesting because um, I was told that many doctors, I don't, you know, I'm talking now 10 years ago. I don't know if that's still the practice, but I wasn't aware that many doctors do not screen for diabetes unless you have a history of diabetes in your family. So that's largely why I didn't know. Also, I had symptoms, but I ignored them because I thought they were symptoms that anyone who was grossly overworked, as I was, would have. So I didn't link my symptoms to any specific medical condition. I figured a couple of days home from the office would help, and it turned out that it didn't. Diabetes is such a tricky medical condition because it can be asymptomatic. You might not notice anything at all, which is why it's important that it, many of us who are of African descent should get tested annually just to make sure because we are more prone to this type of medical condition. So here's the facts. I went on a holistic journey of healing with my husband because I did not want to have a lifetime, I guess I would call it a lifetime sentence of having to inject myself daily with insulin. And at that time, I had to administer four injections per day, one after each meal and one before bedtime. And, you know, that, that was overwhelming for me, for someone who I don't get sick. I mean, I get the common cold like anyone else would get, but that's about it. I don't get headaches. I don't, you know, I, I don't have medical conditions. I mean, I have one now, but I'm just saying, you know, it can really be a life-changing experience when all of a sudden, you now have to administer different types of medication. And when I found out 
that there can be uh, just really bad counterindications from using uh, medications, allopathic remedies such as insulin or metformin or any of the other types of uh, medications that may be prescribed to one who has diabetes, type 1 or type 2. So, yeah, so my healing journey, my healing journey was such that I researched extensively holistic methods and don't believe it when, I guess my message is to say, don't be discouraged if you have a medical condition. Understand that medical conditions can be reversed and cured regardless of popular opinion and that there are things that can be done and even even if you cannot cure whatever your malady might be know that you can definitely improve it so that's that's my message wonderful yes. wonderful yes well I, I hope that uh, everyone listening could uh, relate to what uh, dr. Gray has just shared with you regarding her experience and journey with diabetes I, I have someone on the, on the line uh, we're having a little dif technical difficulty. I'm going to see if this is Dr. Dunstan uh, holding on. Uh, Dr. Dunstan, are you holding on? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Uh, yes, yes, I can hear you. I didn't know that you were on because your number came on as triple ones three times. Oh, probably because so of how I dialed in through Skype. <laughs> Yes, it's through Skype. Okay, so that explains a lot. So you had the opportunity to hear what uh, what Dora had, the Dr. Gray had to share with you. Oh yes, it's a wonderful journey um, of healing, and unfortunately, many people are not aware that they are diabetic. Many people are not aware that they're pre-diabetic or insulin resistant. These are all the states that occur. 5, 10, 20 years before, before you actually become diabetic that really may have no symptoms. In fact, I find that one of the most common symptoms that people will present with is fatigue. And unfortunately, the standard of care in mainstream medicine when doing an annual exam and checking blood work is to do maybe a fasting blood glucose but it's considered normal um, all the way up to the number of 99. But the truth is that if you have a fasting blood glucose or sugar of 99, you're already well on your way to diabetes and something should be done about it. But I see people all the time who say, oh, my doctor said it was fine. Or they said I might have a little, what they call touch of sugar, but they're going to recheck it next year. And the problem is that we doctors are guilty of watching people walk down what I call the road to diabetes for, like I said, 5, 10, 20 years and not doing anything about it when really, ideally, if you have optimal function, your fasting blood glucose should be less than 75. And you heard me right, 75. And if it's not, there's already a problem that needs to be addressed. So you've got from 75 on up to make reparations so that you can reverse the hormonal imbalance in your body. And you can go back to normal if you're not past the point of no return. 
So I'm glad you shared your story because there are probably people listening who don't have symptoms. Maybe they're not getting checked at their doctor or maybe they've had a fasting blood glucose and it's over 75 and they were told it's normal. So if that's you, I want you to get your blood work out and look at it. And if it's over 75, there are things you can start doing now to improve how your body handles glucose and prevent yourself from getting to diabetes. And if you're already pre-diabetic or what we call insulin resistant, you can start turning that around and go back to normal. And if you're feeling fatigued, definitely get checked out because that is the number one symptom that people will present with. Oh, wow. So is that what you would do? So Dr. Dunstan, hi, it's good to speak with you again. Yes, you too. And yes, would you would you mind telling our listeners some things that they can do to turn it around? Absolutely. So the number one tool in your toolbox of creating optimal health is changing what you eat. And I know you hear that over and over again to the point where a lot of people stop hearing it. But the problem is that the standard American diet, SAD, is really not one that's going to promote optimal health. So if you're using the standard food pyramid that's basically a carbohydrate-based diet, you will not achieve optimal health and you most likely actually will become diabetic. And it's a shame because traditionally trained nutritionists treat diabetes based on the SAD diet. And I actually had a friend who died a couple of years ago who was diabetic. And I used to see what she ate for breakfast, and I was really appalled. And, of course, she's my friend, so I would offer my two cents. But she'd say, well, my doctor says it's fine. And she would have toast with jam and a banana with peanut butter. And that fits in a standard American diet, sad model of diabetes treatment, but it's laden with fast carbohydrates that are digested very quickly and turn rapidly into sugar and actually is making her diabetes worse. And if you're a diabetic who's been treated in the mainstream system and you've seen a mainstream nutritionist, likely you are following a program like that. But that's where the problem comes in. So most people are familiar with the movie Super Size Me, where the guy went and ate um, unhealthy fast food for 30 days, and within a matter of weeks he was uh, insulin-resistant, pre-diabetic, depressed, anxious. He had a host of health problems. So most people get that eating overtly uh, bad food is is not healthy and going to promote diabetes. But the problem is, that eating food that you think is healthy can be just as detrimental. And there was another film made um, about sugar. It was made in Australia. And this guy ate healthy, quote-unquote, foods. So he ate foods with green labels and protein drinks and protein bars and foods that are promoted as being healthy that we in America consume all the time. So one of my favorite examples is a granola bar that you see the commercial and the people eating the bars are hiking in nature and they're splendor and they look healthy and they crack open these granola bars and they eat them. And this gentleman in this sugar film 
eats these foods, and he becomes equally unhealthy in a matter of a couple of months. And so the problem is that we think we're eating healthy, but we're not. And uh, Madison Avenue wants you to think that these foods are healthy because then you eat them and they taste good because they primarily turn into sugar as well. And we're biologically programmed to prefer foods that are high in sugar and high in fat. But what we don't realize is that this is what's killing us. And so the number one thing you can do is change what you're eating. So what do you want to eat? You want to eat from the outside of the supermarket, the periphery of the supermarket, not the shelves. That means avoid the prepackaged, processed, canned, packaged foods and eat whole, fresh foods. So vegetables, lean proteins, fish, seafood, those are the types of things that you want to be eating. And you want to be eating 10 servings of vegetables a day. Yes, you heard me right, 10. So if you're going to eat 10 servings of vegetables a day, that means you got to start in the morning and you got to snack on vegetables. And you want to eat from the rainbow of colors because that gets you all the nutrients that you want. And with your fruits, if you're already having a problem, you want to limit your high sugar fruits. So that would be your pineapple, your banana, your melons, papayas. These are all high in sugar. So you want to limit it to your berries and your green apples, which are way lower in sugar, and eat primarily vegetables and lean meats. And you want to prepare it yourself. So that's the number one tool in your toolbox towards reversing diabetes, reversing insulin resistance, reversing prediabetes, and towards becoming optimally healthy. When you think about it, we eat several times a day. And so this is where your biggest opportunity comes to impact your health because you may not need to exercise every single day several times a day, but you've got to eat several times a day every single day. So if you change what you're eating, you you really get the multiplying factor uh, into your health and you can really make significant impact. So that's where I would encourage everyone to start with what you eat. And don't eat what Madison Avenue says is healthy. Actually arm yourself with the information. And you know if it comes from nature, it comes from God in its natural form and you cook it in your own kitchen, then you are maintaining the nutrient quality and density and you are eating it as nature intended and your body recognizes not only the macronutrients, the proteins, carbs, and fats, but the micronutrients and the chi life force that's in that food that also helps to nurture you. Well, that's really uh, intense. I'm so happy that you're touching upon the Eastern uh, modalities and terminology because many of us in our community, especially within people of African descent, have no knowledge of uh, Eastern um, uh, uh, modalities of health. And um, we've been passing on from generation to generation. I mean, we're now during the end of the summer, and what do we have during summers? You know, we have... uh, your picnics and uh, gatherings, uh, family reunions, block parties, and so forth. And one of the main things that's being consumed is is uh, sugar, uh, namely white sugar in so many forms. And, uh, of course, as you say, Madison Avenue, uh, from summer, now you get into other holidays, Thanksgiving, 
Christmas, etc. And uh, so we we are, are constantly being bombarded with uh, embracing a diet that's not really healthy. Um, back in the day, I was involved with uh, online business. Well, actually, it was more more so offline. But there was a tape that was generated, and it was titled "Dead Doctors Don't Lie." And of course, <laughs> it didn't make sense. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me initially. But I thought about it, and I said, you know, that makes sense when you think about the fact that doctors have some of the worst uh, health habits, uh, follow the worst diets. Uh, number one, interns, they have these long hours of 12, 14 hours a day um, of being in practice and going through training. And what do they drink? Coffee. And what do they place in the coffee? But loads of sugar to keep themselves awake. And, of course, you know, the donuts and pastries and so forth. So, you know, I'd like you to share with us, what is your take? I mean, you've gone through such a transformation as a medical doctor to now being one who's more lean towards homeopathic um, medicine and treatment. Please share with you with us the um, the dilemma that we have by going to doctors for the most part. Most of our population are being advised by doctors who are really not either informed or, if not, don't care about the uh, as you on the expression, a pill for an ill? Right. So it, it took me a, a while to figure out that the practice of medicine, of mainstream medicine, is really not about the creation of health. It's really, in this country, about the mitigation of disease and the management of disease. And the truth is, if it were about the creation of health, we'd all be out of a job because we'd teach everyone how to be healthy, and then they would be empowered with the tools to get themselves healthy, which really doesn't require a physician, and then they wouldn't need us. So mainstream health care is wonderful for acute care and management of chronic disease, but when it comes to the actual creation of health, it it's lacking, and it's, it's interesting because I, I grew up in Manhattan, not far from you, and my mother, we, her name's Jerry, we used to call her Granola Jerry because she was very holistic, and she was best friends with Gary Null, who's written several books mm-hmm. on holistic health. This is back in the 70s, and he owned a health food store up on the Upper West Side where I grew up, and when my sister and I would get sick, she would give us herbs, golden seal, and echinacea, and she'd make us sweat it out and she was very holistic and and we used to laugh at her because she we were different from all our friends their parents didn't make them do this they would take them to the doctor and get an antibiotic and so we we used to laugh at her and then when I decided to go to medical school which was actually a lifelong dream I come from a, a family of uh, health care providers going generations back I came back and I told her excuse me mother we heal with steel and really gain this arrogance that we can have as, as doctors. And I always like to joke that MD stands for minor deity. When you, you go and become board certified, you're told that you know more than health about anybody else, which now I know is really not true. And I practiced this type of medicine for many years, and I, I loved doing it. I loved working with women and their families. I loved being a part of the miracle of birth. I really thought that I was helping people by attending to their gynecological and overall health problems with medications and if they needed, doing hysterectomies. 
But then I got to a point where I realized that the people with health problems that we were treating with pharmaceuticals never really seemed to get better. They just would develop more and more medical problems as the years went on. So they might come in with irregular painful periods, and I'd put them on a birth control pill, which is what I was taught to do in residency. And when that birth control pill didn't work, I'd give them another one. And when that didn't work, I'd do surgery and end up taking out an ovary. Maybe they had endometriosis. And when that didn't work, eventually they'd end up having a hysterectomy. But they never seemed to systemically and globally achieve optimum health. There were always more and compounding problems. Then they had a weight problem. Then they couldn't sleep. Then they had no energy and migraines, depression. The, the list would just increase as time went on, and they never became truly healthy. And at the same time as I was witnessing this in my patients, I was experiencing the same downfall of health. I was gaining weight and at one point weighed 243 pounds. I suffered with something called chronic fatigue syndrome where I slept Basically, all the hours I wasn't working, I was sleeping. I suffered with fibromyalgia, which is pain all over the body, basically, with no explanation. I had depression and anxiety and was on multiple medications for those. My hair was falling out. I had no sex drive and really no zest for life at all. And it got to the point where I would try and figure out what was wrong with me, and I would run tests, and they would all come back, back quote-unquote, normal. And I would go to my internist, and she would run tests, and she'd say, they're all fine, everything's fine. And I'd say, well, clearly everything is not fine. Look at me. I'm just existing. I'm not really living And after checking labs, probably, I don't know how many times we did it, she finally just said, Kieran, there's nothing wrong with you. And I went home, and I was so depressed. I thought, if this is what life is going to be for me, I don't even think that I really want to live it. Because here I am supposed to know more about women's health than anybody else, and I'm clearly not healthy and couldn't fix it and didn't have any hope. And then, thank goodness, one of my patients who had been suffering with a similar middle-aged female problem, and I had done the standard treatments, birth control pill, antidepressant, sleeping medication that really didn't help her. She went away, and she came back about a year later, and I knew the minute I saw her at the end of the hallway that something had changed. She looked like a new woman. And I asked her, what have you done? Because you look amazing. She said, yes, and I feel amazing, and all those symptoms I was having are gone. And she told me about this type of medicine she had learned about called functional medicine. And she had given me a book by Suzanne Summers uh, on the topic, and I took it home, and I put it on my nightstand. I I thanked her, but then I thought to myself in my arrogance, I'm not going to read this book. It's by Chrissy on Three's Company. You know, what is she going to teach me about women's health that I don't already know? So it sat there for months. And then one Saturday, uh, my kids came in to tell me they were going to the movies with their dad. And uh, they didn't bother asking me anymore if I was going because they knew the answer. They knew that I was going to be on a Saturday parked in the bed in my pajamas all day. So they said, we'll be back. So I picked it up. I said, let me just get it off my to-do list. And I'll tell her I looked at it and thank her, and I opened it. And it was interesting because it wasn't her opinion about anything. 
It was her using her celebrity as a vehicle to bring this information from scientists and doctors on functional medicine. And I knew the minute that I started reading it that it was the truth. We all have that truth meter that resonates with us when we hear the truth. And yes. I knew it was the truth because it, it harkened back to the science I had learned in medical school, the biochemistry, the physiology, how the body functions. And it talked about using tests to look at hormone levels in saliva and look at cortisol levels in saliva that I had never been taught about, but that NASA has used since the inception of the space program and that's been used in Europe for decades and it really got me thinking and there were like I said all these tests I had never heard of to really look at how the body functions and then there were natural treatments that they discussed the same treatments that my mom had tried to use with me when I was a kid and they were scientifically validated as being useful tools and so all of a sudden, I, I read that book. By the end of that day, I finished it. it was, I was reading it like it was the Da Vinci Code, turning the pages very rapidly. And at the end of that day, I had something I hadn't had in a long time, and that was hope. By learning mm -hmm. about this new type of medicine that really looked at how the body functions, I had the hope that I could figure out why I had such poor health and I was obese, and I could fix it. And so that's exactly what I did was start about using these tools, using the tests, and treating myself naturally. And so that's my journey. And I just started slowly but surely, like Hansel and Gretel, following the breadcrumb trail. I learned about a test. I would do the test. I would treat naturally, on and on. And eventually, I just started, weight started coming off. My energy started coming back. Pain started dissipating depression and anxiety gone, my hair started growing back, sex drives back, and after about two years, I had lost 100 pounds, and I looked 20 years younger, medication-free, and just got this new lease on life, and it, it transformed me personally, and then all the middle-aged women I was working with who had the same problem wanted to know, just like I saw my patient at the end of the hall, what what are you doing? They started saying the same thing to me. What are you doing? What is your secret? Everybody wants to know a uh, beautiful, healthy, vivacious woman's secret. And so I started sharing it with them. And it ended up transforming my career professionally as well. That's a fantastic story. You know, Here's a missing link that I'm sure that our listeners would appreciate. Tell us about discipline, because I get it, changing the lifestyle, changing the diet, adding in that exercise, maybe not every day, but we know that we do need to exercise. But how do you sustain this new lifestyle? Uh, that's a great question. So Reverend Michael Beckwith says pain will push you until your vision pulls you. And mm. when you're in enough pain, you become willing and open. So some people ask me, well, why were you open and available to accept this type of medicine? Because there are plenty of physicians who come across this type of medicine and they poo-poo it. And I will tell you that I did do that for many years. There was actually a doctor in town who used this type of medicine to treat patients. And 
we used to mock him behind his back and and make fun of him. So it's called contempt prior to investigation. But I think <laughs> that when my pain got so great, I became teachable. And I also think it helped that my mother had sown these seeds in me years ago. Mm-hmm. And I also started noticing that of the four grandparents of my children, my mother was the healthiest one out of all of them. And mm-hmm. m- my children's other grandmother ended up dying several decades prematurely because of health problems and and their other grandfather. So I think that I started having life experience of the benefits that my mother had been preaching and the the opposite end of the spectrum. My pain was so great. If you had told me to do something outrageous, like go eat a cup of dirt out of the ground every day, I would have done it if I thought it would have worked. <laughs> and And the seeds that my mother had sown. And so I became teachable and also being up close front and center with my own patients. And I treated thousands of women as an OBGYN and seeing firsthand that despite all my medicalizing and procedures, they were not getting truly healthy. So I had become disillusioned and really knew that what I was doing for my patients and myself was not the answer. And I actually had started saying a prayer show me what the answer is because clearly I am missing it and show me where I'm to go, what I'm to know, what I'm to say and to whom. And that kind of became a daily prayer because in my ignorance, I knew I was ignorant and I knew I needed to know something different. And Mm -hmm. I think all of that made me available so that when the information was presented, when, when the student is ready, the teacher appears Yes. I I picked it up and I grabbed it. And I also do credit Suzanne Summers for the way she uses her celebrity to as a vehicle to deliver this information. It's not her opinion about really anything. And mm-hmm. so I think all of that pushed me to be available and open. And when it landed, I grabbed it with both hands. Now, discipline. I was willing to do whatever it took. When I learned about food sensitivity testing and that you could be sensitive to foods, not allergic to them, like you're allergic to shellfish and you eat it and your throat could swell up and close and you could die. That's a true allergy. It's mediated by one branch of the immune system, the IgE. But we have several branches to our immune system, just like we have several branches to our military, right? We've got Coast Guard, Army, Air Force. Well, your body has different ways it can react to foods. And mainstream medicine pretty much only recognizes the IgE true allergy branch, and they do skin testing for that. Well, come to find out, there's a whole host of other responses your body can have to foods, IgA and um, cell-mediated immunity and IgG. And so when I did food sensitivity testing and I learned that I was sensitive to pretty much half of the foods I was regularly eating, and then I eliminated those foods, then I really became a believer and saw this firsthand how it was happening. So um, the pain pushed me until my vision pulled me. So at some point um, I came home 
and I was willing to do whatever it took. And I actually said to my family, I'm sensitive to all these foods. I cannot eat them, and I'm going to cut them out for the next six months. So I am not eating out at a restaurant for six months. And if you want to eat out, you're welcome to go eat out. I'm not going to be eating out in a restaurant because I wanted to have full control over what I was eating. And if you want to eat, there were certain foods on there that I had a really hard time staying away from. For instance, peaches. I was highly sensitive to peaches. I said, please don't bring them in the house because I won't be able to not eat them. So I'm going to count on your support. And they were on board because they had seen how much pain I was in. And so they said, yes, you've got our support. And I talked to them about that. And they supported me. And so I learned, got cookbooks on how to cook for food sensitivities. And I learned how to cook for food sensitivities and eliminate and substitute the foods you're sensitive to. And I got my family involved so we would all cook together. We always did cook together even before that. But I got them on board because they cared about me and loved me, so they were willing to do this. And at the point where I really had improved my health, then my vision started pulling me, and I knew how good it could be and how good it was getting. So then when we did start going to restaurants, I was pretty radical about it. So I I have my uh, restaurant plan, I call it, and I have different ways that I would handle that. So one way when I first started is I would take my own food with me, to a restaurant, and I would tell the waiter, hey, I've got some weird food things for my health, and I need to eat my own food. I'm going to tip you well. Do you mind if I eat my own food? And invariably, they'd say they don't mind, and I'd always tip them well. But I would either check ahead with the restaurant what they had that I could eat and order that, or I would, um, if they didn't have anything on the menu, I found things that I could eat in most any restaurant and like get a, a pretty bare salad and some type of protein and veg, steamed vegetables, and I would order that. So there are ways to navigate it, and that's when my vision was pulling me. But the discipline comes in, do you love yourself enough to be your own loving parent and make the decisions and set up the structure that's right for you? And this is what I work with a lot of my clients on, because just like, You know, if your kid were having a problem, say your kid has severe asthma and you find out that they're sensitive to peaches and uh, broccoli and whatever else health problems they have, you're going to structure their environment such that they don't come in contact with peaches and broccoli. You're going to structure their environment so that they have the food they need, so that they have the supplements they need, they have the rest they need, they have the stress management they need. Well, you've got to do that for yourself. And it comes from a place of self-respect and self-love. And when Mm -hmm. it comes down to it, what I do find working with people is that there, I I say about one-third of people, when I teach them the tools of functional medicine, they pick them up, take them like a baton in a relay race, and they go and they change their lives and they never look back and their health is forever improved. And then another one-third, they do that for a while, But maybe they don't do it all the way. They might do it 70, 80%. And they see that it works, but they don't really ever get the true degree of the benefits they could get because they don't do it all the way. And then the last third never seems to be able to pick the tools up. And so then the conversation becomes different. It it starts centering around what what is this lack of self-love and respect where does it come from? What are the beliefs that are under there? 
that you're not willing or able to pick up these tools and use them. And actually, this is why I incorporated in my book a whole section on mental, emotional, spiritual balance. Because if you have a belief that, well, my parents had diabetes, so I'm going to get diabetes, then you're probably going to get diabetes, and you're probably not going to pick up these tools. If you have a belief, I used to see women all the time in my OBGYN practice who would say they'd come in with period problems, maybe irregularities and pain, and they'd say to me, oh, well, Dr. Kieran, my mother had a hysterectomy at 40. Her mother had a hysterectomy at 40. It's time for my hysterectomy. They would literally say that. And I'd say, no, that's, it's not time for your hysterectomy. So we, we've been really sold this bill of goods that there's this thing called genetic determinism, that our genes determine our health and that we have very little control on, of it. And nothing could be further from the truth. Our genes really only control about 10 to 20% of our health. The other 80 to 90% is up to us based on our lifestyle factors, our stress in our life and how we handle it, what we eat or don't eat, exercise, sleep, all of those things and our beliefs that we hold about what's going to happen. So if you believe you're going to have a hysterectomy because everyone in your family had a hysterectomy, I promise you you'll have it need a hysterectomy because your beliefs are things that are measurable in your health. They affect your health or your cortisol, and they do outpicture in your health. And so the conversation becomes very different because what you're talking about with discipline the discipline comes from a place of, I believe I deserve this, I believe I can do this, and I'm going to do this. Well, that's, that's really uh, profound, the fact that you talk about belief, because that brings me to a thought in terms of uh, various religious institutions that support a, uh, a particular diet and lifestyle um, uh, we have peer pressure from all coming from all fronts, from our immediate family, our, our social environment, our friends and peers on the workforce. And it's very difficult because, like you say, your family became proactive and, and um, agreeing with you in terms of eliminating certain, certain things from the household, such as peaches, et cetera. Uh, myself, I'm a vegetarian going over 28 years, and, and Dora has been a vegetarian for almost 10 years. About 10 years About now. 10 years. And we thought I that... I cheat, though. I eat eggs. Yeah, she eats <laughs> eggs every now and then. And, of course, this uh, helps her in terms of her treatment of, of, of diabetes and maintaining her, her low blood count from various uh, sources that we've been doing research with. And that's been an ongoing journey. You know, there's so many people uh, of knowledge in certain areas uh, of medical uh, treatment and holistic health that uh, sometimes it can be very difficult to, to make a decision as to who is on point and who isn't. Um, we've been eating soy-based products as opposed to tofu, uh, uh, getting uh, um, with honey and um, uh, other sweeteners. What's the other sweetener, um, the liquid uh, can't think so we now. were, yeah, so there was a time that we thought that agave was healthy agave. until our continued research revealed that's just as bad as sugar. It's just a different name and all of that. Exactly. And yeah, so honey absolutely. versus Right, honey versus raw honey. 
And now we're uh, using um, products like Stevia and Oxitol, Xylitol, rather, and, and other um, plant-based sweeteners, as it were, and, and also uh, being very careful and vigilant about the types of products that are used in terms of reading the labels. Uh, so not to digress, but I wanted your input in terms of, uh, like, the grams of sugar that's in a product. You know, we know that most of us have been raised on, on cereals and other sweet uh, uh, breakfast items, which uh, we start the day off with finding out that some of these brands have 30 plus, 50 plus grams of sugar, as it were. And we're eating that um, in the breakfast uh, menu and then lunch and dinner, and we wind up with over 100 grams of sugar in our system every day. And, of course, you're familiar with the expression that the body keeps score. And uh, I just wanted to get your input, uh, Dr. Kyan, in terms of reading labels, how important that is, in terms of sharing that information with your loved ones and those in your particular immediate circle. Yeah, that, that's very important, and you highlighted a few points that are key, especially when it comes to healing diabetes and preventing diabetes. So let's talk about, so reading labels is very important, and learning how to read number of servings, and particularly I think the most important number on the label is number of sugar grams, number of servings and number of sugar grams. So if you look, for instance, a lot of people do think, oh, a lot of people know white table sugar, not good, okay? So they've eliminated that. But then they think, ooh, raw turbinado sugar, better. They think agave, better. They think honey, better. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. So they all have glucose or fructose, which breaks down into glucose in them, And it doesn't matter if you're putting honey in your tea or white sugar, your body sees it as the same glycemic load. And that's what you're concerned about with diabetes is glycemic load means too much glucose means too much sugar. So learn how to read labels for number of sugar grams. So in that sugar film that I talked about earlier, he actually breaks down how to read labels and he talks about the number of grams of sugar that men and women should have each day. And really for women, um, it, it shouldn't be more than about 24. And um, most of us eat well over 100. So the sweeteners is key. So monk fruit sweetener and stevia are zero-calorie plant-based sweeteners. So those would be the ones I would recommend. Now, having said that, and I do not recommend artificial sweet, sweeteners like aspartame, Um, or some of these other commercially available ones. That's a whole other discussion. But aspartame, there are more complaints to the FDA about side effects from aspartame than there are any other prescription or non-prescription or food substance uh, known to the FDA. It's known to cause bladder cancer in rodents. Um, It contributes to uh, memory problems, mental health problems. I mean, the list is very long, so do not use those chemical sweeteners. But plant-based stevia and monk food are great. Now, getting back to the breakfast, I like to say that American breakfast is a carb festival. And so that is the biggest mistake that we make every day when it comes to being optimally healthy or preventing diabetes is what we eat for breakfast. Most of us make that decision before we leave the house each day. 
And the reason why is because we eat a lot of not only overt sugars in our coffee creamer. So if you're one of these people who loves that name brand coffee creamer that you have in your coffee every morning, read the ingredient list. There's some stuff on there you don't know what it is and you can't pronounce. You don't need to be drinking it. Your body doesn't really like it. Um, Mm -hmm. And also the sugar content. Uh, But then also we eat refined grains. And when you refine or process a grain, meaning you do stuff to it, meaning you take the grain, you pound it up, and you process it to look like something else, then it becomes a sugar. So you're making cereal, so flakes of anything, corn flakes, that basically turns into sugar. Uh, Bran flakes. I, I did a podcast interview a couple of weeks ago, and I called the woman out because I didn't even know she used to eat bran flakes with raisins every day. And I mentioned that as a kind of a staple because that's one of the things I used to eat when I was unhealthy, and, raisin bran. And um, it's pure sugar in your body. The raisins are pure sugar. Anytime you dry a fruit, you concentrate the sugar. And then milk basically turns into a sugar. It's actually what's recommended to give diabetics if their blood sugar goes too low. And so that's a sugar. And then we've got orange juice, which you've removed all the fiber from the fruit, and so you are concentrating the sugar. So you, if you've got toast, you've got sugar. If you've got pancakes, you've got sugar. If you've got syrup on the pancakes, you've got sugar. So we are conditions that this is our societal breakfast. And so you mentioned before, uh, Dr. Dora, about our societal norms for what we eat. And yes, what we eat is very much a part of our culture. And it does require you really looking at why you have the habits you have and if they serve you or not and if you are willing to go against the grain. And I don't know, maybe by grace, I've always had this kind of independent spirit that I'm going to kind of do what's what's needed for my health or my career, and I'm not going to go with whatever. I'm not a follower. I'm more of a leader. And I know that some people have a really hard time going against the grain and saying, well, I'm not going to eat what everyone else is eating. Um, And, again, that that really is a a deeper inquiry that requires a a deep – process of self-discovery and self-knowledge, really understanding yourself and what, what your, your conformity to societal norms means to you and how you can navigate that in a healthy way. It's probably a very long discussion that's more than we can tackle here. But with yeah. breakfast, that's the, one of the places that you can make a huge impact because you really set your blood sugar up for the day and how it's going to behave with breakfast when you break the fast. So if you're eating a very carb, glucose, sugar-laden breakfast, you're setting yourself up to have wild swings in your blood sugar. So I call it the blood sugar roller coaster. So you're going to go way up early, and then you're going to come crashing down and get the hangries where you're, you're hungry, you can't think, you might be irritable, some people get shaky, and really hungry. So when your blood sugar is balanced, if you eat a balanced breakfast with very low carb, by the time lunch comes around after I really got on this journey, I would look at my watch and and say, oh, it's lunchtime. I didn't even realize it. Whereas before, by 11 o'clock, and I used to eat lunch at 12, I I was saying, oh my God, what time is it I have to eat? And I find this is true for my clients too. But when your blood sugar is balanced, it's kind of, oh, yeah, I could eat. It's time to eat, but it's really not that big a deal. 
So breakfast is huge, and you, you really have to change. And I do find that people are more or less sensitive, probably based on their constitution, but also what else is going on in their bodies. So all of these hormones in the body interact, and insulin is the hormone we're talking about with diabetes. Well, insulin hormone interacts intimately with your thyroid hormone and your cortisol stress hormone and your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So if you are have a particularly stressful life situation or career, then your cortisol is going to be out of balance, which is going to unbalance your insulin already. And so you have this dynamic give and take among all these major hormones that affect each other. So if I'm in a particularly not stressful time of life, or you are, then you may be able to get away with eating a little bit more carbs here or there and not have your insulin, what I call, go offline. But if you're in a stressful period, then you generally have to be way stricter with what you're eating because your cortisol is out of balance and unbalances your insulin, so you've got to be more strict. And so these are things I work, when I work with people in my group programs or one-on-one, I help them, once I help them get straightened out and get clean, like I call it, quotes, then, and the body optimally healthy, then you really have to learn how does your body respond in different situations Correct. and you learn how to navigate this on a day-to-day basis. Great. Great. Uh, yeah, Dr. Uh, Karen, we have a guest on the line. I want to find out if they're interested in uh, sharing uh, a comment. And, uh, hello, uh, the one calling from area code 917-929. Uh, would you like to share your thoughts? No. Okay. No, so we, we, we can uh, um, move on. As you were saying regarding um, the, the sugar, uh, Dr. Gray has something that she'd like to share with you. Yes, please. Uh, I, this is re- indirectly related, but I wanted your take on water in this respect. So there's controversy over spring water versus alkaline water versus distilled water and those who are advocating for their specific type of water purport for it for their type to be the best. What's your take on what is the most uh, healthful type of water that we should be consuming? Yes, there is a lot of controversy about that and an argument about that. So regarding water, tap water is known to be Uh, please hold on. We're having technical difficulty. Well, yes, uh, those who are listening, we just had uh, technical difficulty. We lost our host. Uh, she should be back on momentarily. And she's on Skype, so that might yes, be causing some that of might the difficulty. That might be part of the problem, yes. Yeah. So uh, what were you asking the question? Uh, right, so I was talking about, you, you know how, who, depending on who you talk to, distilled water is the best. Yes. Alkaline water is the best. Yes. 
spring water is the best. But then we're finding out that the um, plastic bottles that spring water is uh, marketed in can leak, so that might not be a very healthy way to go. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted the uh, I wanted the doctor's take on distilled water versus alkaline water. We uh-huh. we know that tap water. There are so many studies done on the tap water in New York City, and it claims that it's the best water, but no, it's really not. And we know that because you can taste the chemicals in it. Right. So we know that, but the question of whether or not to um, have distilled water, filtered water, there, there's so much controversy. Yeah, so perhaps uh, Dr. Karen can answer that on the next show. On another, right, another, another episode, absolutely. I, I see that 917929 came back online. I want to ask you if you'd like to share your thoughts. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Oh, great. Can you uh, who am I? Yes, I can. Who am I speaking with? This is E. Marie, Robert Wesley. This is E. Marie. Oh, e. Marie, how are hello. you? Hello. How are you? <laughs> My I sister, am, so I good to hear your voice. Yes, I am. I'm being in. You know, um, it's fabulous. Yeah, you're. I'm losing you. No, we we lost. So there's okay. there's something going on. Yeah, there's something with going the, on um, with the platform. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, we're we're actually at the approaching the uh, the end of the hour. It's now 1:57. Uh, we have about three minutes left on the show, and um, I I really want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in. It was really a pleasure. Uh, to have you on our show, and I see that uh, uh, our sister E. Marie came back online. Let's see if we can get her back uh, to share her thoughts. Yes, I uh, Oh, great. Oh, this great. is this is so this is so empowering and enlightening. Um, and I just I'm just sorry that so many other people are not on this line today. I I got this late, and I said I would have shared this with so many people. But, you know, I love the fact that, you know, we talk about diabetes. And I, I just caught half of what Sister was saying, what Doctor was saying. It's about knowing your body, and that is a key piece. A lot of times uh, individuals will go to the doctor and they'll say, well, you know, this is for everybody. And it's not. You have to first know your body and know how it's going to respond to certain things. So that's and as a diabetic educator, I just, I just found that point. That right there, that that honed <coughs> into that. Appreciate <laughs> so much. Did the doctor come back online? No, no, she did not. No, okay. no. So we, but yeah, I I wanted to say that, Wesley, uh, because a lot of times people just go for the the one shop fits all, but you can't. Because medications have certain ways of dealing with people. You know, you've got your highs and you've got your lows. And you load up a person with a lot of medication and they go to the lows. They don't know how to handle that. And they don't come back to discuss it. And then they stop taking medicine altogether. And they don't mm-hmm. change their eating habits. And things happen. They they become, what she, what did she say? Um, now you're, you're, you're uh, use the term, I forgot it. But it's like off the grid here. Now you're. You're all over the place, and you come back worse than you were before, and nobody wants to buy into that, you know. And I tell people all the time, the doctor does not go home with you. 
you have to come back and you have to get it clear so it can work for you. So thank you mm-hmm. for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And I want to thank you for, for tuning in and sharing your thoughts. What you shared was just so profound. Um, indeed, one size does not fill all. And we have to learn who we are uh, and, 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 and act accordingly. So, uh, again, you know, I, I'm looking forward to you tuning in again uh, in a future show and, and, and continuing what you just shared. We have another speaker. We only have a few more minutes, but I definitely would like to have you uh, share your thoughts. Hello? Yes. yes, I'm here. Hello. Uh, yes, is this this nine one two? Can you hear me? It, it, it's Dr. Karen. I got actually disconnected. I had to call back in. Oh, great, good. I'm happy you were able to get back in. I guess the Skype uh, technology had a little, a little glitch here and there, and um, I'm really happy that you're back on board. Uh, we have a friend of ours, a family friend, uh, Sister Ema Marie, uh, was on uh, just a moment ago. And she was sharing what you had mentioned earlier about one size not fitting all. And, uh, of course, we have so much more that we can talk about. Uh, We're at the end of the hour, but I can go a little bit over for a minute uh, just so that we can have a continuum of your thoughts, Dr. Karen. Yes, I do need to get off in a minute. I have another podcast interview to prepare for, but uh, my thoughts on which – What did? What would you like my thoughts on? I apologize. I got oh, oh yes, it was on about uh, yeah. Um, well, actually, Dr. Dora was talking about water as well. So uh, what we do, we're we're um, put a pin on that. We're bulletin that for the next show, and 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 then continue from that point on. Again, I would like to thank you so much for being our guest. You shared a wealth of information. And um, I've been taking notes, and, of course, I'm going to uh, get back to you for more clarification and in-depth uh, analysis. So thank you again for uh, uh, being a guest on our show. We hope that you'll be agreeable to, uh, to revisiting us again. Yes, thank you so much, Baba, Wesley, and Dr. Dora, for having me. I hope that um, – If you're listening, you've heard something that you can put into use to help move towards optimum health today. I always like to give a take action challenge whenever I give a talk or answer questions to not just let this information be information that goes in and and doesn't do anything for you. So I challenge you, if you're listening, to pick one thing that you've heard about today and put it to action in your life. And as always, I do welcome your your communication and comments. You can find me on most social media outlets at my name, which is K-Y-R-I-N-D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D.com. That's my website or any Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash KieranDunstonMD.com. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, You're welcome. And I have listed on the page of the show your other information, your website and email address accordingly. Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Doctor. Have a great day. Thank and thank you, Marie, for tuning in. And no. You're welcome. So, again, uh, those of you who are listening, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grassroots Holistic Health, and it was a pleasure. My name is Barbara Wesley Gray. My co-host is Dr. Dora Gray, and we are really thrilled that you 
took out the afternoon of your Sunday to uh, share your energy with us. We hope that you would tune in next week, again, the same time at 1 p.m. for Grassroots Holistic Talk radio show. <laughs>